What's up everybody and welcome to B2B Made Simple. If you're passionate about marketing, you're in the right place. Whether you're doing marketing for a brand new startup or a $100 million enterprise, you'll learn strategies that'll help you build a solid team, impact your pipeline, and look like an absolute rock star to upper management. Why? Because these guys are the pros. They're not pretending to know the industry, they're in the trenches on a daily basis. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the co-founder of One Click Agency. We build websites for B2B companies, and I'm also the co-host of this podcast. If your goal is to become the marketer everyone else looks up to, keep listening. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to B2B Made Simple. Uh, my special guest today is Adam Runner. He's the Director of Marketing Operations at My Sidewalk. Uh, Adam, great to have you here, man. Sam, it's great. Thanks for having me. I'm super honored. Yeah. So before we dive into the agenda today, um, why don't you give us a minute or two of background of what got you to where you are today, um, marketing at My Sidewalk? Yeah, man. It's it's a journeyman's tale, to be honest. We, um, I have been in marketing in some capacity for about 12 years, but I went to school for urban design um in landscape architecture and immediately right after school there was another GovTech startup that a friend was working at it's called civic plus and they thought hey why don't you come check this out and you know i've been doing some version of marketing ever since that was about 2010 so it's been a wild ride my sidewalk is an interesting company i had been working in a different kind of technology space actually manufacturing technology for a while. And I just really missed doing this kind of work. GovTech is a really special place, you know? So I, I couldn't turn down the opportunity to come back. So I've been there about two years and we have been doing a whole lot in the last two years. It's kind of crazy how fast it moves, but yeah. Awesome. Appreciate uh, you sharing that. Um, so today's agenda, uh, obviously we kind of prepped a few questions and there was an underlying theme that I saw with these. Um, it's really just getting back to the basics of marketing. And I think it's really overlooked. Um, I think the shiny object syndrome really comes in and we'll get into that uh, in a little bit here. But um, in your opinion, and I think a lot of marketers, it's really easy to overcomplicate what we're doing. Um, whether that's our lead gen, yeah. our branding, everything. I think it all goes back to we're overcomplicating it. Um, and it's a pretty bad trap to fall into. Um, how have you specifically learned to combat that? It's, it's so hard. It's such a hard lesson to learn too. You know, I think there's really three things that are happening too. Like on, the, on the front end, we all know this, but marketing moves, you know, at the speed of, of the zeitgeist and, and it's only getting faster and faster mm -hmm. and more nuanced and more segmented. So there's like, there's a lot of pressure there to, to try and find some leverage, some opportunity. So that's just hard, right? That's just like the eternal pressure on the job. And then two, there's a bit of a holdover from the early days of marketing too, where we had to spend a lot of time fighting for our place at the table. Yeah, it's great. We had to do it. We're there now. Uh, but, you know, it really pushed us to try and quantify as much stuff as possible. And so it's a net benefit, but it's really hard. There's a lot of stuff that we do that's really hard to quantify, um, but it's created kind of a bit of an existential angst in a lot of B2B teams to try and figure out how to prove your value in everything that you do. Mm -hmm. Not sure that's the best uh, 
the best practice, but it's a big part of what drives kind of that shiny object syndrome too, because you're, you're always trying to figure out if there's a way to measure that thing, or if there's a better way to do that thing or a different process or a different framework. So that's mm -hmm. part of it. And then, you know, the other thing, and this is just more of a commentary on the industry itself. We can't stop marketing. We love to market to ourselves more than anybody else. Like marketer to marketer marketing is incredible. Uh, it's well-meaning, you know, it's us trying to tell stories about stuff that works for us but it sounds so trite, but everybody's going to be so different. Your organization is going to be so different. So at face value, a lot of that is noise. It's, it's a great example for you to pay attention to, but it's just not going to be that helpful for you if you haven't figured out those, like those core things that you need to figure out for your business. I mean, there's, there's no immutable playbook there. Yeah. So for, for me anyway, the best way to combat it is has always been to focus on those fundamentals, like to, to really zero in on, how we're communicating value. What we say here internally, we have a phrase, we call it uh, value communicated is value realized. I think that's really like an elegant way to think about it as well. It's just a good reminder about what we're here to do, which is to help connect people with a good experience to help solve a problem for them and to, to really talk about that in the best way. Mm -hmm. So having that, just having some kind of first principles lens for your organization is a really good way to to try and simplify what you're doing across the team. And it's especially important in B2B teams where you've got a lot of different stakeholders who are involved in marketing, capital M marketing, just uh, helping them stay focused on the right philosophy about helping customers realize value, I think is the best tactic that I've learned anyway. Yeah, uh, you brought up a really good point about marketers feel like they need to quantify everything. Um, and I think that could be pressure from above breathing down their necks. I, I can understand that. Um, what are some things that you off the top of your head have realized, look, you might be quantifying this or trying to, but you don't need to. Does anything come to mind? There's so much. Um, I think we lose so much time trying to figure out how to measure a lot of things. It, measure the easy yeah. ones. <laughs> I, like, yeah. That's the best advice is measure the easy ones. Um, you know, conversion rates, lead totals if those are important to you, pipeline, revenue is kind of a gray area depending on your, your sales cycle and the length of that duration. But absolutely, you got to measure that stuff and anything that's tied to revenue is important. But, you know, spending a lot of time on share voice or impressions or traffic numbers outside of broad trending, it's just not a it's not a great place to spend a lot of time. I, I don't think, but it, you know, everybody's different. You know, e-commerce is going to be different. Um, sort of turnkey SaaS B2B. It might be more important to look at some of those traffic numbers a little bit more deeply for us. You know, if your sales cycle is 90 days or greater, a lot of those metrics aren't going to be that important to you. Really? Hmm. Yeah. Um, marketers are really sucked into that. That's shiny object syndrome. We touched on it. Um, how have you found to differentiate an opportunity from a distraction? Because I'm sure it's a very, very fine line. It is. Yeah. I mean, I'd say the first piece of advice there is, and you would think that this would be common knowledge, but it's, it's not as common as you think you've got to get really aligned with your CEO on the stack rank mm -hmm. priorities for the business. Yeah. Because your priorities may not be the business's priorities. And that's a hard lesson to learn too. Uh, particularly as marketers, you want to do cool things. You want to tell good stories. But 
sometimes telling good stories isn't going to pay for a year or two. And you might, mm -hmm. uh, you might neglect some of those shorter term needs of the business as well. So, mm -hmm. and those are always changing. So you got to get in lockstep there and it's like sometimes an uncomfortable conversation, but mm -hmm. having that, you know, that giving yourself some guardrails as a leader and as a team is really underrated, man. Like you can do so much in this field. So to, to narrow that down and give yourself some focus is, is really cool. You know, the other thing about this too is like a big mistake that I see a lot of B2B teams make is they go too deep too soon. Hmm. Um, you know, there's that old adage that you understand first and then you segment. And that's a great way to think about markets, but I think it's also a great way to think about building a team, investing in your tech stack, you name it. Like you're not going to do a great job chasing down a new market segment or a new opportunity if you don't really understand sort of those core fundamentals we've been talking about. And so if you jump too quickly to chase an idea, man, you can create a lot of challenges for yourself. I mean, we've made that mistake. I can't tell you how many times I've myself, I've made that mistake, but you end up with, you know, messaging for 20 different segments and none of them sound the same. And when they stop working, you're like, oh man, what do I do? <laughs> you know, like, so you got to kind of reverse engineer that. So you're basically saying, a shiny object doesn't necessarily need to be the next MarTech that comes along or Clubhouse or TikTok or even LinkedIn. It could be just a customer persona that you think you need to go after. <laughs> Personas are some of the shiniest objects out there. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like the, how we use personas. April Dumford has a, a great line in Obviously Awesome, her book about positioning and like, I'll mess it up. But, you know, it's basically that personas are crap. The, the thing about personas is the exercise is useful. The documentation of the thing is useful for onboarding and training, but do you ever really use a persona document in your day-to-day? -day? Probably not as much as you would think. Um, and so it's, it's that same idea of like, there's this framework or I saw this article somewhere that said I needed to do personas this way. And you get caught up in doing the work about the work. And it's, you're not centering on this idea of how do I deliver as much value to the people that I need to be delivering value to. Mm -hmm. So it just creates a little bit of a distraction there. And those are hard to pick out, man. They really are. Do you have an example of maybe going down a path and realizing it was more of a distraction than an opportunity and reverting course or? Oh man. Yeah. I do it probably once a year at least. <laughs> um, and I think it's natural. It's especially natural in B2B where, um, we feel like it's easier to quantify teams for some reason, you know, organi organizations. I've got a cat trying to break into this room. I'm going to, I have a dog snoring six feet from me. So you're even, <laughs> we have a cat in the house. who has this neurosis about open doors. So, or closed doors rather they've all got to uh, be open. fine with me, <laughs> but yeah, no, I've, I can tell you a few examples just even in from this year alone, we, so we work in a couple of different industries. And mm -hmm. so our particular brand of bad habit is that we'll, you know, when you work with the tools that we have, they're really flexible. We'll see a, a small opportunity in the market and we'll invest a lot of time in it. And it'll be, okay, we're gonna do some solution development around this thing. We're gonna go put together a, a customer profile. We're gonna dump some money into, you know, testing some ad groups here and, it's usually a distraction. 
I mean, to, frankly, it's usually we, we kind of think of it as like iterating on those core ideas of where opportunity is. And you've always got to do that. But we had to get really, really, really smart about how we engineer some process around validating those ideas up front, because if you don't have a way to do that, every idea is prioritized kind of the same way and 50% of them are not going to be great. Yeah. Is that, so is this a process that you go through yourself and kind of reevaluate what you have going on? Or is, is this your CEO coming to you and saying, Adam, what, what direction, why are we going this way? Is this a distraction or does, how does that happen? Yeah. I mean, well, I think it happens organically in a couple of ways. Like one, you look at the pipeline and the bookings numbers and if they Mm -hmm. don't look right, then you try and match that up with the activity and you start to go, Oh man, do these things line up in the way that I thought they would. But it's also something that we've learned anyway, is that it's a, it's a capital M marketing process. And I distinguish capital M and lowercase M a little bit, capital M being sort of that broad portfolio of activity of connecting goods and services to people. And then lowercase M being like the functional things that we do day in and day out, we've gotten really honest with ourselves about how much of the organization contributes to capital M marketing and how we need to design our processes around that too. So it's less about us saying, we're going to be the ones finding those opportunities and more about us saying, we're going to help you understand those opportunities and then pivot those into, into action, you know, and some different activities. So that's been a hard transition for us in a lot of ways, like one, letting go of some autonomy in some places, and then two, just getting the interface right with these other teams and trying to figure out how to say, that's a bad idea, (laughs) you know, uh, in a way that's not going to hurt any feelings. Uh, So it's been an interesting journey for us, for sure. What would you say is your first job uh, as a marketer and what should our first job as a marketer always be? should there be a checklist that we go through and things that we identify or is it kind of subjective? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, for me, there's a great line in crossing the chasm and I'll paraphrase it, but essentially uh, the idea is that the purpose of marketing is to develop and shape something that's real. Mm -hmm. I really like that. I think it's a great sort of way to think about marketing. Um, There's a lot of, I don't know if you run into this, I do, but when I talk about when I was allowed to go out in the world and go to parties and talk about being in marketing, there's kind of a lot of sort of anti-marketing mentality around, you know, you hear a lot of sort of, I don't know, disparaging comments about marketing speak or jargon or whatever. I don't think people actually dislike marketing. I just think people don't like being lied to, you know, and I don't think they just like misunderstand being- it or what? Yeah, I just think that there's a, a sort of, um, there's a there's a faction maybe of marketers who see their job as sort of creating illusion, you know, and it's like sort of that madman advertising type mentality of, I'm going to write the best copy and it's going to, you know, engineer some behaviors in this group of people and like, there's a lot of that, particularly in, in digital advertising. But for the most part, I think people just, if you're telling them something that's valuable to them, they're going to be happy about it. And if you're misrepresenting something or you're trying to create some sort of insidious behavior change, 
they're not going to enjoy that. And I think so thinking about this idea of um, creating and shaping something real is a really, really useful way to frame that. And we talk about Mm -hmm. that in the team quite a bit, but you know, there's a lot of really different ways in B2B that you can sell. Some of it's complex. There's some really cool things that you can try. But I think using that same sort of framework of um, shaping something that's real really forces you to come back and center on your customer and to think about that, that value add relationship and just making sure you understand deeply those challenges and the people that you're working for. And you're going to be hard pressed to have the wrong priorities if you keep centering your work there. And, you know, the tactics are important and we'll always be iterating on the tactics. That's never going to go away. But again, it's just getting that, that core fundamental stuff, right? Yeah. Um, like I mentioned in, in the beginning, there's kind of an underlying theme in this agenda where it's back to the basics. So I do have one more question for you. Um, yeah. Is what process do you go through to ensure that you get your fundamentals right? And is this something that you reevaluate? maybe once a year, every quarter, or is it a set it and leave it sort of thing? You know, my answer is probably a little bit biased because we're, we're in the middle of some pretty big transitions with my sidewalk. Um, but you know, we, I guess the short answer is that work's never done. And I think that's kind of, um, why you've seen the emergence of product marketing as, as a really important early hire for a business is that you're always trying to keep a pulse on, on those things like your customers and opportunities in the market and how you can talk to them. Um, for us, you know, we, we have kind of a more structured review process that we go through at a product level quarterly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we work off of a month long sprint too. So we have a little bit of flexibility to see if there's, um, you know, any iteration or experimentation that we need to do. We're also lucky that we have some pretty cool tools. So, you know, we're gone customers. So we have a practice of listening in on calls and then that can help quantify some of that qualitative stuff. Um, and then I mentioned earlier, just the handoffs in between the different teams. We've spent a lot of time process engineering into, you know, the handoff between product marketing and growth marketing. What does that look like? What, how do we document it? How do we make sure that we're learning from everything that we do. What does that look like with our customer success team and our sales team? And, you know, building a research and experimentation practice and how do these things play together? So we've got a lot of different stakeholders and we're still kind of fine tuning that, you know, that work's never done. Um, But part of the work never being done is also knowing that, you know, your best point of view is going to be the best point of view that you have. So um, we feel pretty good about how we've cobbled together our system, but it's again, going to be super unique to every organization. Yeah, We use sure. a lot of, you know, a lot of ideas from people who are smarter than me on this stuff too, you know, April Dunford, um, Dave Gerhardt, um, Mick Pono, a good friend from college, uh, you know, Robin Daniels, I talked to him probably once a quarter. Um, There's a lot of that, like their ideas that show up in our own system because we don't need to reinvent Mm -hmm. the wheel. So some of the fundamentals could just be make sure you're learning from others. I think, I think that'd be pretty important, right? (laughs) Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a there's a nugget of advice, and actually, I think a really good one, especially for young teams when you're trying to build. It is so so hard to try and figure out the right way to do everything. There are people who've done this, you know, yeah, like for sure. Take their ideas. You don't have to copy them, but listen to those ideas and figure out how to apply them. That's definitely a very very smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Always, always uh, make an effort at least to be learning uh, some new things because right. there's a lot more innovative people out there than me, you. There, there's so many incredible minds out there. And uh, a lot of them are giving the information for free, which is the coolest part of the age that yeah. we live in for sure. Um, so before we go, uh, I think everyone always likes to hear about the company. So what does my runner do? What do you guys um what are you marketing? <laughs> my, my runner, it would be a great company. My sidewalk is, or my, uh, Oh my goodness. My sidewalk. <laughs> See, this is why I need to scroll back up on my notes. <laughs> <laughs> my runner is the startup I haven't started yet. Um, no, <laughs> my sidewalk, um, we're a technology company and we run, we, we build data tools for people who aren't data scientists is the simplest way to put that. So our mission is to democratize data. So we've built a gigantic community data library, enriched it with tons of data science. And then we built a platform of tools on top of that to help people interact with that data, visualize it, you name it. So we really believe in helping people make better decisions. And we all know that data can help you do that. Uh, it's just really, really challenging to get to that data and make use of it. So that's the the job that we're doing. And it's really been evolving over time. We used to work only in the public sector and we're moving out into greener pastures and bigger, bigger, um, greener pastures isn't the right word. We're moving out into bigger, uh, a bigger sort of scope of work, which is really exciting. Very cool. Um, yeah, I think the my runner would be a cool company for you to start since it's, I guess it goes with your name. So probably where I got that from, but, yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, where can we go ahead and find you? I, I mean, you're on LinkedIn. Is there any other place that people can uh, follow what you have going on. Yeah. LinkedIn is great. I'm fairly active there. Um, you can follow me on Twitter. It's, uh, at D A M R U N N E R. Um, you can follow my, my sidewalk blog too. We spend a lot of time writing there. So that's my sidewalk.com and you can find the blog there. Awesome. Well, Adam, it's been awesome having you here. I appreciate you joining me for an episode, man. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks, Sam.